0: On today's show, we got some news. We got some news. The Mavericks won their fourth preseason game, undefeated in the preseason, beating the reigning champion Milwaukee Bucks and their starters. We got to talk about that. But first, we will get into the roster decision. Tyrell Terry has been cut by the Dallas Mavericks. We got some insight from Jason Kidd as to why they made that decision. I'm here with Luke Askey. We're going to talk about all that on today's Lockdown Match. I'm Luke Adoncic, and this is Lockdown Podcast. Mavericks Bucks. Are-
1: Great vibes, now, just great vibes, like great vibes, great vibes. Yeah, great vibes. No, sensational vibes. And like the vibes are immaculate.
0: And welcome, you're locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Angstead, media member and coordinator for the Locked On Podcast Network. And joining me, second time I think I've had you on from Mavs Moneyball, Luke. Ask you what you got for me, Luke.
1: How's it going? Second time on the Locked On Mavericks podcast. I am. Man, what a life.
0: What a life, what a day. It's been uh, a really very important night in in Mavericks basketball, so we got a whole bunch of stuff to talk about. Let's start right away with Tyrell Terry, Ferron Hunt, and Carly Jones were all waived by the Dallas Mavericks. The roster decision came down. The Mavericks waving Tyrell Terry is fascinating to me. He's been away from the team for the last couple of games. He's been uh, away on, on family business. He obviously missed a lot of last season with, Uh, What he told us was was mental health issues, and he wanted to fix that. And the Mavericks were very gracious to let him go ahead and and do that. But now the Mavericks make the decision. And Jason Kidd talked to us afterwards, and it was it was a fascinating decision. But what was your instant reaction with when the Mavericks announced that Tyrell Terry was not going to be on the team anymore?
1: Um, I I mean, I I as a Stark Tyrell Terry defender, um, (laughs) one of the lone members on Tyrell Terry Island, um. It's it's a bummer, but I feel like I saw it coming. Um it's I mean, he needed the reps that you get in preseason and he just didn't get them. And I mean, it's it's sad and obviously I hope hope he's doing well and hope his his family matters are getting, you know, better, but it's the stark reality is that the other guys just got more minutes than he did in the preseason and that's just that's what he needed. So
0: it's one of those cliches where the biggest ability is availability and you have to be available at the right times and kind of be in the right place, right time. And he just was not at the place at the, t- at the time, like at all. Um, and it's kind of no fault of his own, right? Wh- whatever the family situation is, we don't know what it is. Um, or maybe he got tipped off that he wasn't gonna be on the team anymore and was like, all right, I'm going to go tend to this, this thing, because I know that I'm not on the team anymore. So, um, but Jason Kidd, after the game, I asked the question, I said, can you give us any insight on why Tyrell Terry was the one chosen? Can you can you give us some some thoughts on what it came down to basically? And he said he admitted, he's like, Well, you know, I haven't seen a lot of Tyrell Terry. We didn't really see him a lot in, in games, obviously. We didn't I saw him a little bit in, in practice and training camp, but he said the Mavericks had to make a decision between Frank and Tyrell. And we chose Frank. When it came, to, basically when it came down to that decision, I found that very fascinating. First of all, that he told us that, that he said it came down to those two players, but Frank nilakina apparently made his impression on this team and he's been in the league a couple of years. He brings an element of defense that Jason Kidd really wants to emphasize and Tyrell Terry with the inexperience and, you know, just the lack of availability so far. I think that was a fascinating decision. And if it came down to those two with what Jason Kidd told us.
1: So I'm going to put on my conspiracy hat for a second. Hold on. Hold on. Oh, yep. I love it. Okay. So (laughs) I kind of wonder if when kids said that um, they were decided that they made the decision between Frank and Terry, I am wondering if that meant the decision was made a long time ago when they brought Frank in. And once they brought Frank in, they knew Terry was gone. And Kid had mentioned post game that Terry's been back in Minnesota with his family for a while. That leads me to believe that Terry's known for a while that he's gonna that, be gone. That's that's, that's, that's a good I use got.
0: of our conspiracy theory music for sure. Like, thank you, thank I, you. I, I'm am fo- following you down that trail where I think that maybe they knew. It's it's one of these things where a new regime comes in and there's these old these older guys, not old, but like the former guys that that the other regime chose. Right? These are Donnie mm-hmm. Nelson's draft picks. And you're not on board with some of these draft picks, you, you know, Tyler Bay. We don't care. Like <laughs> we didn't pick no. him. We It's not necessarily that they didn't believe in him, but they're like, all right, we're just going to, we're going to let Hugh go. And now with, with Tyrell Terry, they bring in Frank Nilakina, a guy that has a little bit more experience. He brings, brings it on the defensive end. Uh, that's the decision that they made. That's what it came down to. So yeah, maybe they, they knew all the way back then. And, and, uh, I- and yeah, and it was a whole, not a conspiracy, I guess, but maybe just a- something that <laughs> they want, something that they won't tell us.
1: Right. And I, I mean I have to think that that they gave him a chance in Summer League thinking that that was going to be his time where he could show levels of progress that he made but he got he got hurt early on in Summer League I mean I he was the guy I was most excited to fly down to Vegas and see and um more than Cade Cunningham and um <laughs> and but he got hurt almost right away and that I wonder if that's just I want, you know just
0: did just the Mavs make the right decision, right? Did, did, did they make the right decision between Tyrell Terry and Frank Ntilikina? It's it's sort of hard, like just like Jason Kidd said, we we haven't seen a lot of Tyrell Terry either. He he missed some of the summer league. He didn't play a lot last year for uh, various reasons, and then now he didn't play. In did he play it all in preseason? He didn't, right? Like he didn't play. He didn't play, at he didn't play a all. a single no. game. Yeah, no, not even no. a minute. So we just haven't seen a lot. But what I saw from Frank Ntilikina was was good. I saw a couple of times when he created his own shot. He saw him play defense and and you know, stand his ground a couple times against the, against some of these bucks players. Like I, I think that they got somebody good in Frank Nilekina. I was glad that they were able to keep him. Uh, but it was sort of like trying to choose between your own children. You're like, ah, oh, I like Frank, but I also I'm rooting for Tyrell Terry because we did our interview with him at media day. And at media day, when you sit down and interview somebody, you just fall in love with all of them. You're like, oh, dang, right. I just, I just want you to do well. Right. Like, right. Uh, but yeah, I think they did make the right decision between the two.
1: That's the same. I mean, I think they did it. It's not the decision I wanted, but I I think it's the right decision ultimately. Um, Frank, I mean, just tonight he snake dribbled into the paint, did a little fake mid range pull up, dropped it off to Dorian for a dunk. Like that's that is almost a better play than we've seen Tyrell make in a Mavs uniform, and not because Tyrell is incapable of making those plays, but he just hasn't gotten the opportunity. And at some point, whether it's his fault or not, you just you need the opportunity.
0: Yeah, and and we didn't see we didn't see a lot from him, so that was the decision. The other two guys, Carly Jones, we talked about him on our Friday show. We thought maybe if he could show a little bit more than the Mavericks would uh, make the decision to put put him as a second two way guy instead of Ja'Cory McLaughlin. But I bet both Ferron Hunt and Carly Jones will end up on the Texas Legends, and I think that team's going to be really fun. Those two guys actually, I, I thought showed me a decent amount that they can be NBA players in the preseason. I thought both of those guys showed us you know skills i thought they both showed um that they're like just smart players that know where to be and know how to you know know how to take angles on drives and on you know defense and i I, th- I thought both of those guys showed that they can be in this league and i'm excited to see the texas legends sometime this year
1: yeah absolutely i mean ferran hunt uses his athleticism in an elite way um it doesn't go to waste and it's something you notice right right away when you watch him run up and down the court um, and Carleek, I mean, if Carleek was six, five, not six, one, he, he'd be a rotation player. Like he had or a he first has, round
0: pick probably.
1: Yeah. He has, he has everything. He, he hasn't like, there's nothing you watch Carleek and kids said it post game two, there's nothing that he did wrong. Like Carleek didn't do anything wrong. It's just, I think the Mavericks already had 17 NBA level guys on their roster and they went, I mean, it looks like they went with Ja'Cory over um Carly. but I think you're right I think both both of those guys will end up on the Texas Legends and with injuries and who knows what else throughout the season we might see a little bit more of them
0: Yeah I'm I'm interested as to why Jacory McLaughlin said of Carlik Jones I just thought Carlik showed us more stuff through summer league and then in you know in preseason I thought he showed more but there's so much more that we don't see in training camp and practice and all that so maybe maybe we're not getting the full story in that but Mm-hmm. Yeah, that so those are the roster decisions. That's what the Mavericks made. The Mavericks roster is set now. Trey Burke stays on the roster. Frank Nilakina stays on the roster. There was some, there's a couple like mini conspiracy that people were like, maybe it's Moses Brown because uh, Mark Cuban went on the Mavs film room podcast and was like talking about Frank and Ty- and uh, and Trey Burke, and then he mentioned kind of Moses Brown at the end, and you're like, oh, maybe it's Moses Brown, right? Like, there's just a, there's a little bit of that, but this is what it came down to, and the Mavericks roster is now set.
1: Yeah, I mean Moses Brown averages like 36 rebounds per 36 minutes. So I don't know, I don't know how they would let him go. Um I mean I think tonight he played 10 and a half minutes and got eight boards. He's just he's all over the glass. I don't he he's a guy that I actually I think we'll see legitimate minutes from him during the season at some point, but
0: I'm hoping. I'm hoping that he gets to that point. I hope the time with Tyson Chandler works out well. I hope he figures out just yeah, there's, there's something that we'll, we can break down his game a little bit later you know, mm-hmm. in the season, but I thought that there's just certain times where I'm like, ah, oh, if he only would just like stand his ground, if he would only just, you know, widen up basically his stance, keep his arms out on defense, like you could just, there's so much potential there with him. And so I hope that they keep him around for a while, keep him as a project. He works with Tyson Chandler a lot, and I think he can do some pretty good things in the NBA. So, all right, coming up, let's get into this game. The Mavericks, without Luca, KP, and Tim Hardaway Jr. beat the Bucks, and the Bucks. They didn't just like sit everybody. They played Giannis 25 minutes. They played Drew Holiday 30 minutes. They played uh, Brooke Lopez, both of those guys into the fourth quarter. So we'll get into that. How did the Mavericks pull that off coming up? But before we do, let me tell you about a new daily type fantasy website that is awesome Prize Picks. It's the best NBA daily fantasy prop game on the market. Prize Picks offers more NBA props than any other daily fantasy on the market right now. You can go check it out and it's interesting the way that it works. You can go in and for even preseason NBA or regular season NBA for NFL for all kinds of stuff, they give you one number. So it's Lucas points. Let's say it's 30 points. You can pick the over under on Lucas points. Then you can combine that with the over under on like Chris against rebounds or assists or something like that. And then you put all those together and they give you an they give you basically the odds for that and you can put money up against it, and you can win a certain amount of money. It's pretty fun. You can spread it all across sports. And right now, if you use the promo code NBA at prizepicks.com, download their app, you can get a, your $100 deposit matched up to $100. You can get that matched right now with the promo code NBA. Again, prize picks. download the app, and check out using the promo code NBA. All right, Luke, I just... Turn both of our cameras off at the same time, but we're we're back. (laughs) Let's get into, (laughs) let's get into this game. The Dallas Mavericks win this game 114 to 103. They were up by 20 at one point in this game for a while. Basically the entire second half, they were up by 20 and the Bucks were playing their starters, but the Mavericks were without Luka, KP, Tim Hardaway Jr. Just let's just start here. How'd they do this?
1: (laughs) I mean, you got a great game from Jalen Bronson. He was Huge. eight of eleven, I think, shooting. He was awesome. He was getting to the rim, finishing through contact. The the thing is, like, I would have you would expect if you didn't watch the game, you would expect that even though Giannis played, maybe he wasn't aggressive, maybe he wasn't playing well. Giannis played great. And I to be honest, I don't know. I don't know how it happened. I <laughs> I wasn't expecting it to happen. I kept so, yeah, I,
0: yeah, I think there was a different level of intensity on both sides, right? Because the Mavericks were, they're playing without their three best offensive players. And then the Bucs were like, oh, we're just going to, we're playing against these guys. So at the beginning of the game, and even through the first half, it felt like the Mavericks offense was, all right, we're, we're totally locked in. We're going to just, you know, white knuckle this, and we're going to make the best play on every single possession. And we're going to play like this is the playoffs almost. And then the the Bucs were like, hey, Giannis, go like, see if you can do a turnaround fadeaway jumper in the post, right? Like go... Shoot a three, like go try to dunk on somebody. It was just like so casual from the Bucks. It seemed like so. I will say that there was a little bit of that. That the intensity was different, but to give the Mavericks credit, they outworked this Bucks team. Fifty-four yeah. points in the paint for the for the Mavericks, forty for the Bucks. If you out points in the paint, the Bucks, you're doing something very well. Like you're doing something right. Seventeen second chance points for the Mavericks. Four second chance points for the Bucks. Uh, 21 fast break points to the Bucks 17. And the Mavericks also outshot them from three. The Bucks just could not really hit a three-all game. They were 11 of 40 from three, which is 27%. And then the Mavericks shot 14 of 35. So just even that difference. Usually the Bucks, if they can't beat you in the paint, then they'll beat you from the perimeter. And they just couldn't do either of them in this game. And the Mavericks outworked them, I thought. They tried really hard in a lot of facets of the game. Jalen Brunson, like you said, was kind of the, the head of the snake on offense. All those 17 points were in the first half. He had 17, five and five and was like seven of nine at at halftime. That's just like, he is just showing something every single year. I think he takes another step forward and hopefully this is the step he takes forward that he can just become this even more efficient. He was like 50, 40, 90 at some point last year, or like even like 60% from two or something like that. But he's just become really efficient. And he hits these shots where if the defender had, if they're, Hands were just a little bit bigger. Their arms wingspan was just a little bit longer. They would block it, but he somehow reached like there was a play in the first half where Jalen Brunson takes Brooke Lopez off the dribble, goes under the rim and somehow finishes on the other side of the rim around Brooke Lopez, who is like a mile taller than Jalen Brunson. He was just very impressive to me in this game. And hopefully he's, ta- he's taken this season personally and is really just taking the next step.
1: I, I think one thing you're seeing from Jalen Brunson, too, and this is this is typical for young guys is he seems more comfortable every single not just like season by season but every single game he's out on the court he looks more comfortable and you can see it in the confidence in his release on his jumpers even the ones he misses they look better than they did at the start of his NBA career and he's he's getting to the rim more I don't want to say wildly because he is in control but it, it just looks so free he doesn't look restricted at all
0: well, it's in control, right? He knows what he's going to be doing. He knows he knows where he's going with it and he knows cuz he's worked on a lot of these shots and and they work. His little turnaround, you know, in the the mid-post kind of deal, that that stuff works. His stuff around the rim has worked. There's something about starting Jay uh, st- starting Brunson too, right? Like he's had he had that crazy game against Chicago last year where he started. Uh, but yeah, when he starts games, he's just on a different level. Feels like he's just way more efficient. Um, the numbers don't necessarily say that. His true shooting is basically the same when he starts and when he comes off the bench. But And his usage is the same, actually, when he starts and comes off the bench, as, as according to last year. But there's just something that feels different about him.
1: And he seems, I mean, Brunson, he always, I feel like every team has one of these guys. Brunson, to me, is like the YMCA guy that you don't really <laughs> think is going to do well. And then he's way quicker than you think. He's quicker than he looks. He's better finishing around the rim than he looks. He's a better shooter than he looks. He's scrappier on defense than he looks. He's just he's just a guy that produces.
0: Oh, he's Kyle Lowry, right? I, this is the this is the trajectory I've been talking about for the last couple of years that Brunson is on that Kyle Lowry. He's a little bit better than him at this point in Kyle Lowry's career cuz we, we got to remember Kyle Lowry was like not not anybody at the beginning of his career and then became this all-star in Toronto and all that, but yeah, Brunson showed a lot in this game, and I was I was excited to see that he stepped up to the plate, especially against. He was being guarded by Drew Holiday a lot. Like it was not just that he was uh, out against you know some of their scrubs or whatever. He was out there against one of the best perimeter defenders in the NBA, in Drew Holiday. So, whatever intensity level he was, <laughs> Drew Holiday was giving, uh, he was still getting guarded by him. Also, uh, Brunson one turnover in this game, five assists. That's another positive. But that assist to turnover ratio continues to widen for Jalen Brunson, that's another definite positive step in the right direction.
1: That's something I'm looking for him a lot uh this year. We need, I mean, that's that's really the next step. Like we know he can get we know he can get his 20 one night and we know he can make shots when it matters, but we need the assist to turnover ratio to be a good to be good so that he can be that secondary playmaker that every Mavs fan and media member and coach talk about them needing behind Luca.
0: All right, it's th- it's that time in the post game show. Let's just go around, popcorn around, to guys that stood out to you. Dwight Powell hit two threes in this game and a hook shot over Brooke Lopez in the post. Like, what is going on with Dwight Powell? Does he think it's April? Like, what has happened with Dwight Powell and his threes and like his scoring?
1: I think he's got his mojo back now that he's feeling. I think now that he's healthy, I I think it's a mental thing. Like, I think I think his athleticism like just allows him to make threes all of a sudden.
0: He he's definitely got the green light now where I don't think last season, or definitely not last season, but even the year before a little bit, we didn't have a, a green light for Dwight Powell to shoot threes. When the Mavericks were not good, when they were not trying to make the playoffs and all that, I think he had a green light because there's one year he took a threes or something and the last two years, like 30 and 20 for the whole year. This year, I think Jason Kidd, I've been saying this since Fan Jam Isaac made fun of me, but I think Jason Kidd has given Dwight Powell the, the green light to take open threes. And he's, he's been open and he's hit them. And we know he can hit them in practice. I've seen him hit 15 in a row. I've said that so many times on this podcast. I think <laughs> I saw him at practice one time hit 15 threes in a row and that was years ago. So I know he can do it. And so maybe it's just now all coming together. The one thing about him though, zero rebounds from Dwight Powell. <laughs> two threes, uh, two assists no rebounds
1: (laughs) that I'm, I'm chalking that one up to preseason. Uh, (laughs) yeah, that just has to be a little bit of a lack of lack (laughs) of effort and intensity and crashing the rim and maybe protecting his body a little bit. Um, I will say one thing about, about kid that you kind of mentioned. I think he, kids kind of given the green light to everyone, not just Powell. Even I think kids, it seems like he's been empowering everyone to play freely. And that's something that all the players talk about. Um in their post-game pressers, they all talk about how free they feel and how just empowered they feel to do what they think they can do on offense. And some of that might get reined in throughout the season as it goes on. But I think kid kind of came in just letting everyone be free.
0: Yeah, there's a. my wife is a elementary school teacher, and so we we've talked a lot about um all right, do you start this do you start the year? Really like hard nosed and like really like be you know like, like tough on kids at the beginning of the year and then let them get give them little freedom throughout the year, or do you start with freedom and rein them back in? And from what she's told me, and that you know she learned in school and stuff, it's much easier to start super strict and then give them a little bit of freedom as they go instead of just like all right, everybody, freedom, and now I'm going to try to rein you all in and try to gather you up like cats. And so, I'm curious how the rest of this season is is going to go with the they do they do feel more free. It does feel like guys are able to do stuff and so I wonder if we'll get to a point where we're like, "All right, Dwight, you're like 18% from 3 during the regular season." So, I'm not <laughs> can we rein that in a little bit. Uh but we'll see. Yeah, we we don't know enough about Jason Kidd as a coach yet I feel like to make big sweeping conclusions. At least I don't, but yeah, Dwight Powell taking three seems to be one that uh seems to be one that is is a green light now another another player for me sterling brown I, i'm just i feel such confidence that he is the backup wing and i said during the game i realized that okay i was looking at last season i was like okay who's the mavs wings last last season their backup wings they basically had this amalgam of james johnson nicolo Melli, wessa one josh green and kind of jj reddick Sterling Brown is just going to come in and replace all those guys at the backup wing. And I think that's such a big upgrade and just somebody that comes in and is really solid at what he does.
1: Yeah, no, Sterling Brown is the guy I've been waiting all night to talk about. Um, I tweeted during the game that I think he might be my new favorite Maverick. And after, right after I tweeted that, he just made a spot up three and I just couldn't be happier with Sterling Brown. I think he's going to get a lot of minutes. Um, Like you said, I think he's kind of going to fill in for all of those backup wings last year. And I think I was looking at some of Sterling Brown's stats just from over the years. Last year is really the first season that he played significant minutes. Um, he didn't play too much in Milwaukee, but when he was with Houston, he got significant minutes, uh, took a career high in threes, and he shot 42% on his threes. And his jumper looks good. Really? Good. I, I would not be surprised to see Sterling Brown in closing lineups.
0: Ooh. Um,
1: not not right away but as the season wears on especially if they go smaller in closing i just i wouldn't be surprised if sterling brown is one of those guys that keeps gaining trust throughout the season and come time for playoffs i he might be getting closing minutes
0: he also showed a little bit he's been showing some playmaking stuff we talked about the the big josh green dunk from the the hornets game that was a you know great pass in transition from sterling brown he had four assists in this game he had a floater also in this game. where, are like, Oh, some off the dribble stuff. He took a, I think he took a, a three off the dribble too, where it was like a pull up three in the second half. I was like, Oh man, Sterling just showing a little bit every, every game. And I'm, I'm excited about him. I'm excited that he's just going to be that solid backup wing behind Dorian Reggie Bullock. And uh, yeah, and I don't, I don't, I'm not seeing him take either of their minutes, but maybe there's a scenario where he makes more sense.
1: And I think, I think Sterling is really like the Jack of all trades guy. Um, And he really can just do a little bit of everything all of the time. And I think like, and I think a
0: little bit of everything. Yeah. That was
1: my, that was my uh, daily Bo Burnham reference. Um, It just happened to come out on the pod. So it
0: just comes from the inside of you.
1: Yeah, no, I'm, if it came out this morning, I wouldn't have had it tonight, but it came out tonight. So um, I think, but Sterling, where, where was I? Um, Sterling, I mean, we t- what does Kid talk about every post game? He talks about defensive intensity. I mean, yeah. it's the most cliche coach thing to ask for. <laughs> um, but if that's truly what he wants, Sterling brings it,
0: yeah, he really does. All right, who, who else stood out for you?
1: All right, Willie Collie Stein, oh, had two impressive blocks. Yeah, In only great. nine minutes, I think it was of action. Yep. Now, he didn't do anything else. So <laughs> we're not going to talk about we're not going to talk about anything else. But
0: he had a good dunk where he was streaking down the lane, and Josh Green hit him uh, from the corner with a really nice. So he finished one play. But yeah, other than that, <laughs> he didn't did. Do
1: he else. did shoot uh, one of one from the floor.
0: Yeah. That was the one. Um, <laughs> that was the
1: one. Um, but his his blocks were impressive. They were ones that required mobility and grace to go along with his length and athleticism. I, I mean, if, if if he can be a rim protector in reserve minutes, I think he's going to carve out a nice season for himself.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He's definitely, if we're still looking at this setting center position as a bullpen, he's the one center that is kind of a rim protector. Moses Brown should be, he's not, I don't think he's there yet. Uh Bobon is another one that kind of should be, but his athleticism just isn't there. His foot speed's not there. Josh Green, I thought also impressed me a little bit. He had one stretch in the first half where I was or the yeah, the beginning of the second quarter, where I was like, oh, that's a great Josh Green stretch. Now he did have one really bad turnover where he just threw the ball at somebody's shoulder, but he had some pressures on defense where he forced some steals. He got a couple steals himself, I believe, too. He got one himself, one counted to himself, but a couple pressures. Uh, he finished at the rim with like this this windmill like around the around the uh, what do you call it? He kind of spun it, he spun the ball around and got uh, a finish. And then he had a, that really great pass to, to Willie Collins Stein, who was streaking down the lane. Like it was just a really good Josh Green set of minutes. I still think he's buried behind those three wings we were talking about earlier, but uh, he's at least shown a little bit more in this game.
1: Yeah, he has shown more. I think I think what he's going to need is to continue to show more is more <laughs> yeah. minutes. And I just don't think he's going to get those. Um, he's, he's either a really good or a really bad basketball player. And I haven't figured out which one yet. Um,
0: it's I'm, like a good athlete playing basketball, right? And so you're yeah. like, okay, where, where, where do, where do where do we see the basketball skills now? The passing definitely. Right? Yeah. And maybe some finishing stuff we've seen, but yeah, the rest of it, just the shooting, it really just comes down to shooting for him. He did hit a three in this game. And uh yeah, that's, and decision in, come down for him.
1: and decision making. I think um, yeah. he, he kind of he reminds me of like when you're playing a run in college or intramural, and like a football player shows up in the off season. <laughs> and yeah. He's like he's like a running back, so he's super athletic. He can dunk really hard. He's faster than everyone. Uh, if you catch him on the right play, you might think he actually plays for the basketball team. But then he'll throw it out of bounds like three plays in a row, <laughs> and you're like, oh, okay. That that's Josh Green.
0: Isaac made this exact analogy, and I think it was about Josh Green too, like a year ago or something like that. But I remember him making that same analogy. I think it was about Josh Green. Uh, My so apologies, to
1: Isaac. I did no, not. Apt, did apt. not
0: very apt comparison. Maxi hit three threes. You love seeing that out of Maxi. He also had five boards. So maybe Dorian and Maxi got all of Dwight Powell's boards early on. Uh, there was a lot of Dorian Finney-Smith driving and kicking. He did. Ha- he finished with four assists, which you love to see. But there's the two turnovers were just real bad. (laughs) So Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. maybe you just live with it, but I kind of like some of these games every once in a while where Luca doesn't play and everyone else just gets to try some stuff. Like go, go ahead and try a couple of drives, like get a couple of game reps in.
1: Yeah. I think, I mean, you know, like I don't think a, a lot of what these guys are doing five times a night on a game like this is something they might do once every Never, week yeah. <laughs> in the regular season. But but it is the type of thing where if they have to do it once, it's good for them to get that familiarity and that comfort down while they're doing it.
0: There you go. That is the uh, the Mavericks won their last preseason game. Isaac and I will break it all down on Monday and tell you what we've learned so far in the preseason. This is Luke. Oh. Ask you, you can go follow him on Twitter and uh, go check out his stuff on Mavs Moneyball. I'll put a link in the description of the podcast.
1: Hold up, Nick, hold up. Can you hit the conspiracy music one more time?
0: Oh, one more time. I love it.
1: I think Kid matched some Bobon and Giannis minutes in the third quarter, just in case. Just in case. Just to see. Just to see. Just to see. There
0: was That's one a... play. There's one play where Giannis and Bobon were kind of both going for a loose ball and they fell over top of each other. And I was like, that is just a lot of human just just yep. fall, just falling yep. over the ball.
1: I just if if you need to experiment, you know, with a with a possible finals matchup, get a weird roster thing going. I'm just saying, I'm the the conspiracy music played. If you need to experiment with it, a random Friday night in the preseason is the time. (laughs) That's all I got.
0: There it is. Go follow him on Twitter. Go read his stuff at Mavs More. Guys, thanks so much for listening to Locked On Mavza. Peace out. Boom.